Most of us know what it's like to experience uh, severe tests and trials. We know that when we compare our trials with others in the world, those who are experiencing extreme poverty and pain and oppression and suffering, that our trials sometimes by comparison are minuscule, and yet we still feel pain. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, to get that comparison. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So we sometimes think that our trial, our pain, our suffering, our temptation, our obstacle or problem is unique. But God is saying, look, everyone in the world experiences pain and suffering and trial. But God is faithful. He's faithful to his people who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So it doesn't mean that you will have freedom from the pain or suffering immediately, but God gives you the strength to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee idolatry. So God shows us that we are not unique in terms of suffering around the world. In fact, he gives us a little warning in the previous verse, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So God allows us to be tested, and we know that many of us have been tested in the past or being tested even now, but we have a responsibility to endure. We have a responsibility to persevere to the end. Turn to uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter, Matthew 24. So are you enduring? Are you overcoming? Are you applying the principles of perseverance? And are you committed to endure to the very end? Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We know that in God's church that we are influenced by the society and the media that are around us. And if we're not careful, that societal trend of perverseness, of not caring, of violence, of even selfishness, will affect all of us. We know that it does, so we have to be totally on guard. But he, verse 13, who endures to the end shall be saved. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. So God tells us we have a responsibility to persevere. We have a responsibility to endure to the end. 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. The Apostle Paul, of course, experienced probably many, many more trials than any of us. But 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. Do you not know, I have to turn the page here. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it? So some of us have weak knees, we can't run, but he's talking spiritually here. 
and those of us who have run in the past, some of you are uh, walking or running or jogging two or three or four miles a day. I've talked to some of you personally, so uh, congratulations and keep that up. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Yes, you want to be careful about your diet. You want to discipline yourselves and get plenty of sleep and apply the seven laws of radiant health. Is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. The uh, Summer Olympics are going to uh, be in Rio de Janeiro this summer, and we'll be watching some of the competitions there. They do it for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. And the Apostle Paul says thus, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Uh, his blows are going to make a difference. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. But we have that responsibility to endure. And who has ever inspired you? You think about all your life history and family members and maybe athletes as well who have inspired you to persevere, to endure, to keep moving forward in spite of challenges and obstacles. Years ago, ABC Wide's World of Sports introduced its programs uh, with this announcement. And, of course, what it showed was uh, accomplishments, athletic accomplishments, but when it mentioned the agony of defeat, it showed someone going down a ski slope for a ski jump and missing the jump and falling, crashing off on the side. And this was the announcement. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, the human drama of athletic competition. This is ABC's Wide World of Sports. Now, I've been inspired very much by this classic event that was uh, videotaped by ABC Wide World of Sports, It was February 6, 1982, back in Pasadena, California. My wife and I, on that Saturday night, were about ready to go to an ambassador college dance uh, there in Pasadena. I was just about ready to leave the house. I had the television set on, and there was the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. And Julie Moss was leading the women. She was uh, out in front, and she was uh, going ahead. And I thought, well, I'll just watch the finish of the race. She was only about 100 yards from the finish line. And she stumbled and fell. I watched this again this morning. brought tears to my eyes again, as it did even then. She fell, got up, and then fell again. Then got up, and people are trying to crowd around her, and she started walking and walking, and then the second person passed her up. She got within 10 feet of the finish line and fell again. And I'm, I remember crying, Julie, Julie, get up, get going, get going. She crawled the last 10 feet of that Ironman triathlon and finished. I mean, tears are streaming down my eyes just realizing she crawled to finish the race. The ABC Wild World of Sports said this was the most dramatic finish in all their years of broadcasting sports events. That was 
up to that point. Turn to Revelation, the third chapter, Revelation 3. Oh, Julie Moss has been a, an inspiration to me over these years. Of course, that was about 33 years ago. Many of you, of course, are practicing perseverance. Uh, some of you are walking and jogging. Uh, many of our teenagers have persevered in the Living Youth Adventure programs, hiking through tough mountain trails over a period of days. And some of you have climbed mountains. Uh, Dr. Meredith has climbed several mountains, including the highest mountain in California, Mount Whitney, which is 14,505 feet. My wife and I have climbed uh, Mount Washburn in Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming. Uh, that's only 10,243 feet, but we were trudging through snow on the way up. It only took us three hours and 45 minutes. When we got up to the top, we saw this other couple because my wife was inspired because she met an old lady and her daughter saying, Oh, yeah, we climbed Mount Washburn. How long did it take you? Oh, two hours. And we found out when we got to the top, there was a smooth road that went right down, but we took the tough route up through the snow pack. Two hours, three hours and a quarter. I should, no, three hours and 45 minutes. I still remember. But my wife and I also climbed Mount Sinai on the Sinai Peninsula. That's 7,497 feet. But all of us need the quality of perseverance. Dr. Meredith gave a fine, inspiring sermon last week on faith and courage. We need to move forward with faith and courage. And I want to add to that from Revelation 3 here, another Philadelphian quality of perseverance. Revelation 3, uh, verse 7, called the faithful church. In some Bibles it has the subhead, the faithful church. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, who he has the key of David, he who opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. Oh, we're little people. And yet God uses not many mighty, not many noble, but he empowers the weak of the world to do a marvelous work. You have a little strength. You have kept my word. That's a part of a persevering quality. And have not denied my name. God's name represents his character, his position, his authority, his nature. He goes on in verse 10, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So Jesus has given us a command to persevere. Are you persevering? The title of the sermon today is Philadelphian Perseverance. The definition of perseverance from Merriam-Webster is continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failures, or opposition. The action or condition or an instance of persevering. Then, of course, not only do we persevere, but we also endure. The definition of endurance is the ability to withstand hardship or adversity, 
especially the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity, a marathon runner's endurance, for example. Oh, God has called us to be Philadelphians. <clears throat> you know, the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania is called the city of brotherly love. And Christ gave us the command, I won't turn there, in John 15:12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Then verse 17 of John 15. These things I command you, that you love one another. Well, many of us have experienced that love here in uh, the local congregation in Charlotte. And, uh, we've heard the uh, appreciation of thank you cards from those for whom we've been praying, have been sick and ill, and even God has caused some wonderful miracles and signs and wonders. Dr. Meredith has also encouraged us to do good works, to be the light of the world as part of the Philadelphians, and we have a Charlotte outreach program. In fact, uh, several of you and uh, several Living University students uh, will this coming Thursday uh, be serving on the Harvest Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The website summarizes it this way. Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina, just the metropolitan area of Carolina, is the largest hunger-fighting agency in 19 counties of North and South Carolina. Last year, we distributed over 45 million pounds of food and grocery items to individuals in need through our over 650 partner agencies. We could not do what we do without volunteers. Volunteers help us sort, inspect, and pack food and other items for distribution to people at risk of hunger. Last year, over 47,000 volunteers donated over 132,000 hours, and there was still work to do. We turn to Galatians, the sixth chapter. Galatians 6 and verse 10. This is a mission statement that we're familiar with and follow, but do you follow it personally? Is it a part of your character and your morality and your way of thinking? Galatians, the sixth chapter, and verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and of course, as we have time, we've heard sermons on effective use of our time. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So God wants us to show kindness and love. Our mission statement, number four, and I hope that all of you know the sevenfold commission statements, but number four is be examples to the church of God and to the world of Christ's way of life. So we want to show that Philadelphian love. We want to be the light of the world. We want to love one another, which is sermon number 426, love one another. Uh, sermon number 456, love each other as Christians by Dr. Meredith. And unconditional love number 507. Uh, one uh, characteristic of Philadelphians is they pray for one another. And the photo album uh, that we'll have today actually is a result of the photo today. Uh, 
and the individual photos have been taken, help us to pray for one another. And as a part of perseverance, we will have a little test afterwards, grouping together to come to the front of the auditorium. That will be a little test of perseverance uh, for us and cooperation. So Christ has commanded us to persevere. The NIV states, verse 10 of Revelation 3, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently. So how can we persevere? What are some of the principles for persevering? You want to turn to Hebrews, uh, the 12th chapter. The remainder of the sermon will discuss seven of those many principles of persevering. Here in Charlotte, we saw, for those of you and around the world who may be seeing this uh, video later on, uh, we saw Dr. Meredith's uh, tel- Tomorrow's World telecast titled God's Master Plan. And we know that God's annual festivals and holy days give us the big picture and, and the very meaning and purpose of life. So number one of seven ways to persevere is always see the big picture. Always see the big picture. And the holy days and God's master plan help us to see that big picture. It always reminds us annually of God's love for each and every one of us. We'll be keeping the Passover April 21st of this year. Uh, Dr. Meredith called that in the telecast a magnificent plan. How awesome a magnificent plan it is. In the current Tomorrow's World magazine, I hope you've all read uh, Dr. Meredith's uh, editorial, Play God or Obey God. This is what he states in that uh, article. Quote, the Bible itself tells us through Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Luke verse 4, verse 4. The Bible is often referred to as the mind of God in print, for it is the big picture. It is the big picture principles of the way God thinks, the way the Creator thinks. That is why Jesus Christ told us to live by every word of God. So we need to have that big picture. The Apostle Paul had that big picture, and we read in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that we obtain a an imperishable crown. And hopefully we are seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness above all else in our lives. That's a part of who we are and our identity and what we think and our purpose for getting up every morning a day. Though Jesus himself persevered, and here in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we have one of the more remarkable verses in the Bible. Of course, many, many powerful verses in the Bible, but Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and you read through Hebrews, the 11th chapter, to understand the faithfulness of those witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so ensnare us, 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, you might want to put weights if uh, you're training, but that is going to slow you down. And the weight of sin slows us down and can be very detrimental in our lifelong race in life. But he said, let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, that's way of life. It's what we do every morning, every day. We look to our Savior. We realize we have to battle our nature, battle Satan. We have to battle the influence of the world every day. But we must run that race with endurance, or as in patience, as it says in the King James Version, or the NRSV says, uh, with perseverance. Run the race with perseverance. And you all know what the, uh, well, I guess you already know the answer by the virtue that I'm asking the question. I'll ask you, I'll take a survey here. How many of you can state the sixth law of success? Let's see your hands. Oh, my. Oh, that's only about 42% of the sixth law of success. Uh, how many of you know all seven of the laws of success? Okay. Uh, do I see any hands? Okay, good. Some of our uh, YOU people, well, they, they know it. Um, but it's extremely important. The sixth law of success, it can be stated different ways, is perseverance or to persevere toward your goal. Mr. Armstrong used to refer to it as stick to You stick to it. You never give up. So the seven laws of success are available in one of our articles, a reprint article we have, Achieving Godly Success. It's article number 140. So if you don't have the uh, that reprint article, you want to order that or at least uh, acquire the, do a, uh, a search on our tomorrowsworld.org site. Just search uh, the title, Achieving Godly Success. So I mentioned someone who inspired me in terms of persevering and seeing Julie Moss crawl those last ten feet to finish the Ironman triathlon. You can think of many others. You might turn to Genesis uh, the 32nd chapter, Genesis 32. Uh, there are many people in the world that have done remarkably well and realize that as uh, Dr. Meredith wrote in one of his co-worker letters years ago, that every human being is precious in God's sight. And we can learn from those individuals who exemplify amazing character. We always want to see the big picture. That's number one. Number two is to study biblical examples of perseverance. So that's why we're here in Genesis 32, starting with verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. 
Now, man here in this New King James Bible is uh, as uh, capital capitalized man. Verse 25. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, that is Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, "Let me go, for the day breaks." But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So Jacob was one who really prevailed. So God changed his name to Israel. Verse 30, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. It was remarkable in another way to think that the one who became Jesus Christ allowed Jacob to wrestle him. You know, it was really remarkable in that way. It gave him a test, and Jacob uh, prevailed in that test. Who else can you think of in the Bible who persevered, who, who prevailed? Let's turn back to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And here we have a remarkable confirmation and assurance of God's promises for us. Not just promises in general, but promise of salvation. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and chapter six and verse 17. Hebrews six, verse 17. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. One of the other points I'll bring out later is to hold fast. And here he says we need to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. We know God's master plan of salvation. We have the vision of the coming kingdom of God. We hold Lay hold on that expectation, that hope. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered before us, even Jesus having become high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So God has given a promise to Abraham because Abraham actually prevailed. And he swore to Abraham that he would be blessed forever. Well, God gave a promise, and he also confirmed it by an oath. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, let's turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews, the uh, 10th chapter, and uh, verse 36. It's an uh, exhortation for us. Hebrews 10, God has given us awesome promises that we endure. To the end, he will give us the free gift of salvation. Hebrews 10, verse 36. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. 
So promises just don't come automatically. They come because we've surrendered to God and to Christ and we're seeking to do God's will. We want with our whole heart to do God's will. You may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe the saving of the soul. Abraham patiently endured. And God promises that those of us who will do his will, he's going to give us that gift of salvation. Because you read more about Abraham here in chapter 11. How Abraham obeyed by faith when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. For he waited, verse 10, for the city which has foundation whose builder and maker is God. And these, verse 13, all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Who else can you think of in the Bible who was a faithful servant who persevered? Turn to James chapter 5. James 5, starting with verse 7. James 5, verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Now, how many of you have actually planted a seed in a garden? Let me see your hands. How many have actually planted a seed? Oh, good. That's about 90%, 92% of you. And I hope if you have children, you want to make sure that they... Uh, do plant a seed at one time or another because I know you you plant the seed and you water it and you, <laughs> you expect the next day it's you're going to see something, but you don't. It takes a few days and then that little green leaf starts to pop up out of the out of the soil and it's just a, really an amazing process uh, to see that. But it requires patience. Verse eight: You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You know, we yearn for the kingdom, particularly sometimes when we're in pain. We want the kingdom to come, and other times when we have compassion on the multitudes who are suffering, we want God's kingdom to come. We see injustice in the world. We want God's kingdom to come. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophet's who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. I would start to say patience of Job, which is King James Version. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seeing the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So you know that Job was another wonderful example. We may comment on that as we have time. But just as an aside, uh, you know what the Protestants use to say that the law is done away. One of their arguments 
is Romans 10.4, where it says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So if Christ is the end of the law, then what do we have later on? Of course, the NIV says Christ is the culmination of the law so that they may be righteous for everyone who believes. Well, James 5.11 in the King James says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and you have seen the end of the law, Lord. So, is the Lord ended? You know, that's the King James Version. You've seen the end of the Lord. No. It doesn't mean the dissolution of the Lord. It doesn't mean the uh, completion of the Lord, that He has somehow disappeared, that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The New King James has it very uh, helpfully here. You've seen the intended purpose or the end intended by the Lord. So the Lord didn't end. He had a purpose. And the end of the law was Christ was the purpose, the goal, the manifestation of the law. And, of course, the end, of course, in Job's case, was that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Let's turn back to Job briefly, because that is quite a uh, a remarkable classic story for all of us. You think of Job's three friends just sitting in silence with him for seven days without saying anything. And, uh, of course, I probably would have gotten a little hungry, I think, about at that point in time. But, you know, what happened to Job... I'll just review that here in chapter 2 of Job. And God allowed Satan to attack him. Job, the second chapter, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Eternal, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Eternal. So God allowed him to attack Job. And you know, of course, before that, that there was uh, he, he lost his sons, he lost his his uh, oxen, he lost his camels. Uh, chapter one, uh, the, and the way uh, it came, what a Job fell to the ground. Chapter one, verse twenty-one: Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Eternal gave, and the Eternal has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Eternal. Would you have had that reaction? You lose all your children. You lose all your wealth, your cattle, your camels. And uh, yet, what was Job's reaction? God was testing Job. And Job passed that part of the test. But of course, he had a greater lesson to learn, which we know that all of us, in chapter 2, verse 22, it says that in all this, uh, Job did not sin. If I got the correct reference. Sorry, that's the wrong. That's chapter 1, verse 22. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Now, we all have trials and tests, and how do we react to those tests? 
Well, we want to submit ourselves to God and learn whatever lessons we can from that. But we trust God that He's going to deliver us, as we read in the promise in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It'll give us a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. But there was a great lesson that Job learned. What was that lesson? Job 42 and verse 2. Job 42 and verse 2. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Two things too wonderful me, which I do not know. Uh, it reminds you of some, uh, uh, none of our teenagers, of course, but uh, some teenagers that they, owe, they know everything. There's, uh, you know, they know it all. I uttered things I did not understand. Two things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. There's an intellectual understanding of who and what God is. And uh, the Bible study, I didn't get to see it last night, but uh, was on who and what is God, the Living Youth uh, Bible study. How many of you saw that last night? Good. There's quite a few of you saw the LYP Bible study by Mr. Munson on who and what is God. We can understand God intellectually, but there's a point in time when you understand him in depth because you see yourself contrasted with the universe and with the awesome, infinite creation of God on the micro, micro biology level and on the macro creation level. You understand, you know, God is omnipotent, He's omniscient, He's omnipresent. He's love. And when Job finally was able to contrast himself to the reality of God, then he said, verse 6, Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And I hope that all of us have come to learn that lesson uh, personally. Sometimes we have to go through, sorry about that, sometimes we have to go through Trials and tests in order to understand that. We understand perseverance through some of the lessons of the patriarchs, such as Job and Abraham and Jacob. But there's someone else here, who, of course, went through quite a few trials. We've already referred to him, the Apostle Paul. Turn to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 2 Corinthians 11. Of course, he was refuting here his critics, and he's saying, Second Corinthians, eleventh chapter, verse twenty-three. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
A night and a day I have been in the deep. Three times shipwrecked, in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. What an incredible life the Apostle Paul experienced. And yet, as Jesus, who we read in Hebrews the twelfth chapter, you know, because he, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We read that in Hebrews 12 about Christ's enduring of suffering. And here the Apostle Paul endured many sufferings. And he says, I, I bear in my body the stripes of the Lord Jesus. Let's turn to Acts the 16th, just one other example of perseverance. And what was their attitude? 1 Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, Acts, the 16th chapter, and uh, verse 20. Paul and Silas were put in prison. And what was their attitude? Acts 16 and verse 20. And when they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. How would you react to that? What would your attitude be? What was their attitude? Verse 24, having received a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So now they're bloodied and beaten, their backs all pain. But what did they do? Verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That's a good example for us. You know, when you're in pain and suffering, you pray, as it says in James, if any of, any of you are afflicted, let him pray. Any of you rejoice, let him sing psalms. So if you are in trouble, you may want to try this sometime. Sing some psalms and pray. And of course, God worked a miracle. The uh, doors opened miraculously, verse 27. And God delivered them from prison. So a second principle for persevering is to study biblical examples. The third principle is daily renewal. We actually have a sermon, number 768, titled Daily Renewal. We need to practice Philadelphian perseverance. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, Second Corinthians 4. You know, when you're a young person, it just seems time just goes by so slowly. But when you get over 50, as many of us are, the time just goes by with warp speed, it just seems. 
And you have to realize, here we are already into the second uh, month of 2016. And uh, anyway, uh, I just think back, you know, when we talk about certain conversations, we used to say 20 years ago this and 30 years ago that. Now my wife and I talk, well, 50 years ago this and 50 years ago that. Well, <clears throat> all the best to you young people. But uh, here in Second uh, Corinthians 4, verse 16, we have a principle that has to do with living each day by faith. First Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed once a month. No is being renewed day by day. You and I need a daily renewal. That's why we don't let a day go by without praying. We don't let a day go by without reading the Bible. There are several things in the Bible that were in the sermon. I don't have time to share with them now, but we need to renew God's Holy Spirit. We renew our minds. Romans, the 12th chapter, talking about renewing our minds. We need to, even on a practical level, uh, renew our mission statement, our goals for the year. We need to renew our prayer life daily and thank God daily. But you might turn to Luke, the ninth chapter, Luke 9, to show what we need to do in our daily renewal. Luke 9, and this is the way you persevere because you take one day at a time. You have the long-term view of seeking God's kingdom and you have the short-term view of living each day by faith. Here in Luke, the ninth chapter, you find out what Jesus tells us in verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Most of us who are older have some cross to bear. Some young people don't feel that they have crosses to bear, but that'll come with time. And Jesus said, You can't let those burdens prevent you from following me. You take up your cross every day. You go forward. You don't stop. You're going forward to the kingdom. You take that cross with you and you follow him daily, every single day. You renew your commitment. You renew your repentance because on the daily outline prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And you confess your sins daily. And you ask God for forgiveness. You ask God for a spirit of repentance daily so you can make it into his kingdom. Daily renewal also means a dedication and a commitment to God's work. Because that's why you were called to have a part in God's work. Are you praying for God's work every day? 
Are you contributing to God's work in tithes and offerings? Even responding to every coworker letter that comes out with a small donation. Uh, Dr. Meredith wrote the uh, coworker letter this past Thursday, and you should be receiving your coworker letter next week. He did write in that coworker letter, which you'll be receiving February 18, 2016, quote, We are grateful that we can be used by God as his servants to carry out his commission. We are very grateful to those of you who have contributed so generously even in the last few weeks to help this work really get going more than ever. Thank you. And most of all, we are grateful to Almighty God that we have this opportunity, that he is giving us the strength and is opening the doors, Revelation 3, verse 8, to go through and reach the whole world with the end-time message of Christ and warn the peoples of this world in a way most of them have never heard before, as we saw in the telecast. Thank God. So we really do need to look forward with absolute faith and joy to Christ's second coming to truly finish the work which he has begun in this age today. So our daily renewal, we need to again have our heart in God's work and I'll ask all of you, are you sharing the good news of God's kingdom with others? Now, how do you do that? Well, you support the work, but social media, of course, is another way. And young people can share a Tomorrow's World magazine article, news and prophecy, a webcast, a telecast, um, many other articles that are uh, in the uh, Tomorrow's World magazine or on the website. So I hope that you're sharing those in social media. In fact, uh, Dr. Meredith writes in his co-worker letter, February 18, 2016, please continue to share and like Tomorrow's World content so that even more people can be expo- exposed to the truth, especially as the end of this age draws near. So, brethren, let's again, it's a number three way of persevering, practice daily renewal. Number four is to learn from God's mercy to the unconverted. We've already talked about some examples of human perseverance. We talked about 1 Corinthians 10.13, that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. And in your personal life, what has been one of the biggest challenges to endure and persevere? My wife would say that she had a painful kidney infection, and that was probably 40 years ago, in which she thought she was going to die. I had weeks of severe back pain, and I had to call my wife to get the... uh, the ice pack to put on my back. She'd be in another part of the house, and I had a, a pot with a, a spoon, and I bang on the on the pot to get her attention, so she'd come and replace that ice pack with a new ice pack. You know, we've all had severe challenges. Well, most of us have had severe challenges in our life. But what examples of human courage and perseverance? Can you remember, Dr. Meredith shared several in his sermon last week about those who are courageous. We need to develop courage and faith, as he pointed out in his sermon. 
When you think of the world history, you think of the historic adventurers exploring new territory, men who traveled around the world in ancient ships, scientists who have preserved, persevered discovering some of the awesome intricacies of God's creation, all the way from DNA to uh, black holes in the universe. When you think of handicapped people, I remember seeing one, and some of you probably have seen it, a uh, video on YouTube young years ago of a mother who had no arms but was changing the diapers of her baby with her feet. And you think of people who are handicapped, and yet most of us have two arms and two legs. And what are we doing with what God has given us when we see the examples of others who have persevered and endured in spite of their obstacles and their handicaps. You think of the substandard conditions of millions of migrants trying to find a better life for themselves and their family. Dr. Meredith wrote in a co-worker letter, which we'll receive next week, quote, Daily we read and see pictures of increasing millions of distraught human beings fleeing their own countries in a desperate attempt to get to a place of safety. These people come from Africa, from the Middle East, and other countries. Why? Because their human governments are failing. Because their own people are desperate to find a place where they and their children can have a reasonably decent feeling of physical safety, enough food, and the basics of life, such as proper sanitation. So you think of examples in the world of people that have endured and persevered. What examples do you think of? Well, there were the miners in the nation of Chile who had an explosion. And 33 of them were trapped underground. October 13, 2010, the, 30, the last of 33 miners was rescued from underground, and they had been underground, all 33, for 69 days underground. What hope would you have to endure, to persevere and think, well, yeah, I I think we're going to be rescued. And it took monumental international cooperation with inventive uh, drilling and uh, capsules to get down there. It took them 22 and a half hours to rescue all all 33 of them. It's under Romans the 8th chapter. Romans 8. And you realize wherever you are, what state you are in, as those miners were with no outward hope of rescuing. And what does it tell us here in Romans 8, in verse 35? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded, the Apostle Paul writes, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
And those miners were 2,300 feet underground. That was 700 meters underground. Nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God has given us wonderful promises that we can make it into the kingdom. We know Luke 12, verse 7, The very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more of more value than many sparrows. That's Luke 12, verse 7. So God hears the prayers of unconverted people, and we understand those who have persevered. You know, back at the campus in Pasadena years ago, Bob Wheeland was a legless Vietnam veteran, and uh, he came over to the campus. Mr. Harry Schneider, one of our trainers, worked with him. He was legless, and uh, he would walk. He had no legs, but the trunk of his body. So he, the way he would walk around the ambassador track was to do a push-up with his arms, swing his torso forward, drop down on the track with his torso, no legs, and then do another push-up. So he would just walk around the track that way. And he had a goal of walking across the United States that way. 2,944 miles. He went from Los Angeles to Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, accomplished that in three years, eight months, and six days. So there are those in the, you see, handicapped people and others have persevered. Others who came through at a time when they needed to perform. They needed to succeed. And I saw that again on YouTube last night. Kerry Strug in the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. A gold medal gymnast. She had injured her ankle. And the Russian gymnast team was ahead. And she had to do a vault with her taped up ankle. And her coach, Hungarian coach, Bella Corelli, saying, you can do it, you can do it. And you see her, she pushes her her hand up and then runs, jumps, does the vault, somersaults and lands on both feet. And the one injured foot, she immediately picked up and fell onto the ground where she got high points and the Americans won the gold medal. But then Bella Corelli had to carry her because she couldn't even walk at that point in time. The American team got the gold medal. You can see that on YouTube. Just a, again, to me, it was a very moving situation. I told you the story before about one of my fraternity brothers at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. And, uh, you know, technical courses can be very demanding. Joe Gambino is from Connecticut. I was from Connecticut, and I happened to be walking by his dormitory study room. And he was studying, and he was looking down at the book, and and just as I walked by his room, he pounded on his desk. And he said, never give up, never give up, never give up. Joe Gambino was an inspiration to me. We had a college reunion 50 years later, and I was able to thank him. You know, for that example. Never give up. Never give up. 
Number four, learn from God's mercy to the unconverted. Learn from real life experiences in our own day. Number five is to hold fast. Here in Revelation 3 and verse 10, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. That's verse 11. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. So we persevere by holding fast. You know, I've shown this to you before. I want to be very careful. I'll put this glass on the... So how would you describe that situation? An accident ready to happen. Okay? Well, I hold glasses. How do I hold glasses? My secret is I put my little finger underneath the bottom of the glass. So if it were to slip, I still have that finger holding that glass. Hold fast what you have that no one take your crown. And there are other things in the Bible God tells us to hold fast to. We think circus acrobats and aerialists. My wife and I were able to see Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey, the circus in Kansas City last September when we were there for the Feast of Trumpets. And here are these aerialists. You know, doing somersaults, flying through the air and hoping someone's going to catch them on the other end. Just amazing. But they hold fast when they grab one another. And then some of you have seen the series, the Ninja Challenge series, the Ninja Warriors series. And here, rock climbers and others normally have the advantage because some of the challenges are that you have to move across a series of ledges just holding onto your fingertips. And then you've got to jump from a springboard to a panel and put both feet out so you don't slip and then continue to progress just by force of horizontal pressure. And then you've got to climb, on one case, climb up 20 feet up a, a, a kind of a tunnel just by the force of your feet and hands. So anyway, these obstacle courses are really amazing when you realize you have to hold fast. You have to have uh, not only the physical course holding fast, but God talks to us spiritually. Turn to Titus 1 and verse 9. Titus 1 and verse 9. There are many uh, examples in the Bible about holding fast, but we'll take a look at that one. I can find Titus. It comes after Timothy. So Titus 1 verse 9. Uh, breaking into the middle of a thought. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. For there are many insubordinate, many idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Who do you, what do you hold fast to? The faithful word. You hold fast to the faithful word, and you hold fast to the truth. You hold fast to the confession of our faith. I won't turn there, but that's Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Jeremiah the 13th chapter. Just turn back there briefly to Jeremiah 13. What do you hold fast to? Jeremiah 13 and verse 11. Jeremiah 13 
verse 11. He's talking about his relationship, that is, with Israel. God is speaking through Jeremiah. And uh, for as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Eternal, that they may become my people, my renown for praise and for glory, but they would not hear. So God says, you need to cling to me. In the King James, it's cleave, for as the girdle cleaves to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel. So God wants us to be very close to him. He wants us to hold fast. We need to, number five, after holding fast to the true words of life, holding fast to eternal life, First Timothy 6.12, holding fast to the truth, we need to persevere in prayer. And that's, of course, Luke 18, where we realize Luke 18 and verse 1, the parable of the importunate widow. There was a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me, for my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The Lord said, verse 6, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he really find faith on the earth? So we need to persevere in prayer. Dr. Meredith writes in the 12 Keys to Answered Prayer, when you have a really deep desire for something, you should cry out to God day and night, never giving up. God wants us to be persistent. He wants us to walk with him, talk with him, and commune with him continually, day after day in this age, and ultimately throughout eternity. The Apostle Paul instructs us to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. That's from the booklet on 12 keys to answer prayer. And you know God's promises. Uh, one of my favorites is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the eternal. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Number six, persevere in prayer. Number seven, follow faithful examples. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. The NIV, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. King James Version, be you followers of me even as I also am of Christ. We think of those who have died and been faithful. Mr. D. Barapartian, who died. And uh, Dr. Meredith wrote in a memoriam about him, December 9th, 2010. Another mighty oak has fallen our beloved friend and brother, Evangelist D. Barapartian, Apartian has gone to a well-deserved rest. Mr. Apartian lived to 94 years of age, 24 years beyond King David, 
who died old and full of days at age 70. The, the eternal God used Mr. Partian to raise up the work of God in the French language and to oversee and guide the work for many decades through his ministry in the French language, through his sermons and articles in English, and through his well-known personal love and graciousness, Mr. Partian had a wonderful impact on the lives of many thousands of people around the world. We read Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. And, of course, we know one of the other examples of faithfulness is Herbert W. Armstrong. Mr. Meredith gave the sermon on honoring Herbert W. Armstrong. This is the memorial edition of the Worldwide News uh, from 1986. There's a letter here from uh, President and Mrs. Reagan to the congregation, Worldwide Church of God. Nancy and I will join all those mourning the loss of Herbert W. Armstrong. As founder and leader of the Worldwide Church of God, Mr. Armstrong contributed to sharing the word of the Lord with his community and with people throughout the nation. You can take pride in his legacy. Our prayers are with you. God bless you. So Mr. Armstrong set an incredible example. Of course, Dr. Meredith gave that sermon a couple weeks ago. Mr. Partian uh, wrote, Those of you who did not know Mr. Uh, Armstrong personally cannot realize what kind of person he really was. We have seen him cry and laugh, be solemn and tease. Occasionally he would tell us jokes, but not once did I hear him utter a joke that was out of place. During one of the trips I made with him overseas, we made an overnight stop in Lisbon, Portugal. After we arrived at the hotel rather late at night, he told me to wait for him in the dining room because he first wanted to go up to his room. We didn't realize that the dining room would be closed because of the late hour. What a dilemma for me. Where could I wait for him? I looked around and saw the hotel bar a few steps away. I walked in. Shortly after, Mr. Armstrong found me there and said jokingly, I have been looking all over for the bar, and I found him in the bar. Also has an article here by Roderick C. Meredith, HWA's Hallmarks, Involvement and Drive. So we can look to those who have gone before us and be inspired and realize, yes, we can persevere. They endured to the end. God wants us to endure to the end so that we can be saved. So brethren, we must all practice Philadelphian perseverance. We need to obey Christ's command to persevere. We must hold fast to that which we have, that no man takes our crown. We must practice Philadelphian love. And we must be fulfill the great commission to watch the telecast regularly, to share, even through social media, the articles and webcasts and news and prophecy items to others, to share the good news of God's coming kingdom We must endure to the end. You know the famous quote by Winston Churchill during World War II when London was being bombed and it looked just very somber for all of those in Great Britain. At Harrow School on October 29, 1941, he gave his famous motivational speech. He stated, Quote, 
surely from this period of ten months to this, surely from this period of ten months, this is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in, except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. We stood all alone a year ago, and to many countries it seemed that our account was closed. We were finished. That was October 1941, but the war didn't end until the spring of 1945. So the Brits had to endure bombings and other privation during those years. But they had a goal not to give in. So we can learn from those of the past. We need to always see the big picture. We need to understand the biblical examples of perseverance of Abraham, Jacob, Job, the Apostle Paul, and the men and women of faith in Hebrews 11 and our Savior Jesus Christ who endured the cross. We need to practice daily renewal. We need to learn from God's mercy to the unconverted like Julie Moss, Bob Whelan, Joe Gambino, and many others. We need to hold fast to the truth, to hold fast to eternal life, to let no one take our crown, to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. We need to persevere in prayer, And we need to follow faithful examples. We realize that Dr. Meredith has now been ordained as an evangelist for 63 and a half years now. There's a plaque in the kitchen at our headquarters building in the uh, staff kitchen room. Fifty years in the Church of God, 1949 to 1999 when Mr. Meredith came to Ambassador College as an ambassador student. And that's now gone 13 more years beyond the 50. So, brethren, let's take examples. Let's realize that, as it says in Hebrews 13:7, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So, brethren, let's practice Philadelphia perseverance every day. Thank God for your calling. Endure to the end. Live each day by faith so that Christ may be able to say, You did keep my command to persevere. So patiently endure. Persevere with faith. And always practice Philadelphian perseverance.